This is a CQ University Australia podcast, where we talk to some of the university's interesting characters. So Melinda, hi. Um, so tell us about your memories growing up as a child. Okay. Um, I would consider my childhood to be from, I guess, from birth to about 16. Um, I grew up in different parts of Queensland and New South Wales and so and when I think about about where I grew up, um, I see that through an Aboriginal lens, so an Indigenous lens. So I grew up, was born on Yagara country, um, and then not long after I was born, moved back to Darumbal country where my family are from. We spent a little bit of time um, in a small town on Yui country, which is um, part of the, in the kind of the Mackay region, and then... Um, I think I was just, I was almost turning 10 when we moved to New South Wales and I lived on Wiradjuri and Barkindji country until we returned back to Durrumbul country when I was 16. Um, so my memories of my childhood was, um, yeah, I think, um, it was, yeah, it was, it was a time that I was surrounded by family and, um, that being a very Indigenous world for me, um, and I didn't know that back then. It was just my world that I live in, and as child, you know, that's that's how childhood should be. Um, and but when I think back, think back to that now, it was such a beautiful time. I think um, we we grew up hunting and fishing and cooking and learning how to do all that from my parents and my grandparents and lots of aunties and uncles that I grew up with or grew up around um, and listening and learning from elders. And there was always um, an elder around us who was, um, you know, part of our family and contributing in different ways and they weren't always part of our immediate family but um, it was... You know, I think when when I think about um, those interactions, we were always either sitting and listening to elders talking and sharing stories, or we were serving them. We were bringing them teas and coffees and um, making food for them. So it was um, my my childhood was very much an indigenous, but purely an indigenous kind of world that I lived in. Even though I went to school with lots of non-indigenous people, it was. Um, I grew up in small country towns and then went to larger te- uh, larger schools in kind of the um, like larger regional towns and um, but was always surrounded by indigenous people and it was when I moved to New South Wales I think that I realized how the Aboriginal thing kind of works there's different mobs and um, Wiradjuri mob were different to us and the Barkindji mob were different to Wiradjuri people and that was, this, I guess, the start of my curiosity about what it meant to be Aboriginal and that was probably just, you know, those seeds were planted there and they've kind of grown over the years but um, my childhood was just a really rich cultural experience. Um, I grew up with lots of family, um, lots of other Aboriginal people from other groups um, and I didn't know at that point in my life as an, a young person that... I wasn't just Aboriginal, I was also a South Sea Islander. And those um, South Sea Islander roots being from um, Vanuatu and New Caledonia. Um, 
it wasn't until I guess as an, a young adult that I started to learn more about what it meant to be a South Sea Islander, what it was to be a South Sea Islander. And when I moved, when we moved back to um, Rockhampton and, and then learning more about how Aboriginal and South Sea Islander people have um, intermarried and reasons for intermarriage kind of all the way through the, through um, kind of the East coast of Queensland and top of New South Wales. And, um, but yeah, a lot of, you know, I guess my, my uh, adulthood is, has been really shaped by this really strong upbringing as a child in my family and my community, uh, in the communities that I've lived in. Um, yeah, I've met, I've met some amazing people and um, that, you know, my parents have become, were really good friends with when we lived in different, particularly on other mobs country and um, learnt so much about the impact or the things that they've experienced as Aboriginal people, which... I think has made me probably a you know the strong advocate for Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people that I am today. But yeah. Okay. Were there any other highlights of your school education um, that we mm. haven't touched on? Um, I I think this is the highlights of my school schooling education would have been the fact that I got to go to so many small schools in um, rural areas um, that allowed me to become a you know to form really great friendships with um, the children of, uh, you know, farmers and property owners. And and now, you know, in, in the role that I'm in now, like I can see how how much that being exposed to and being part of their lives has really shaped me as an adult. Um, and and it's a different world when you're living in an Indigenous – well, in a, when you're an Indigenous person living in a small re- rural town – with lots of other kids and they're all from the bush and they're all, you know, um, property owners or, you know, the kids are property owners and farmers and, um, you know, you have formed different types of the, – the friendships are different because everyone has got a different connection to land and different definition of that. But either way, you, there's, there's a connection to, to, to a country that um, is quite unique, I think, for kids who grow up in, the, in those types of towns. Um, so I think going to small rural schools was uh, a highlight. I loved it. I loved being able to run around barefoot and, you know, the just the everybody in the, in the school was connected in some way, either we were relatives or um, our parents worked together so everyone knew each other. I think I developed a bit of um, competitiveness in high school because I belonged to, you know, a a family that was quite good at athletics and art and um so we had real this really great representation of indigenous people students excelling in those areas and I'm not an athlete and I'm not an artist but my uh I I loved reading and, and writing and the academic kind of side of things so I became quite competitive in that and um it was it was um I think it was my Kind of early ways of, of as a, as a child of of um, realizing that Indigenous people could also contribute, um, you know, intellectually, um, and to have a voice intellectually and be visible intellectually as well. So, even though I was you know fourteen, fifteen, um, I loved going in essay writing competitions and story writing and spelling competitions, and I did well at some of those. And um, those were highlights. It wasn't just 
the being competitive, it was about participating and um, enjoying that participation and getting to meet lots of different people um, through those types of activities. So got to mix with lots of different people um, who I normally wouldn't mix with or really wouldn't have the opportunity to mix with because they were from different cultural groups. I probably would just stress again, going up in the bush with, you know, being able to do, you know, our excursions were out to the river or going on canoe trips or, you know, camping. Those were the kinds of things that for me were highlights of my schooling education. Um, yeah, going, yeah, kids in the bush and growing up there is a pretty special thing in Australia and um, that's def- definitely a highlight, I think, of the way that I, yeah, went to school where I, when I was going to school and I did pretty much all of my schooling in bar a couple of years in a where I was in a regional town otherwise otherwise it was out in, out in the bush in quite small schools of less than 50 or 40 students so okay just moving along uh who are the people who particularly motivated you in your formative years well um I've probably already talked about how much I grew up with family but um my father's family were probably the I was we lived in a town where I think or nearly almost all of his brothers and sisters were living as well it was a very small town in Ogmore just up to the north of Rockhampton and my grandparents lived there most of my dad's brothers and sisters lived there save a, a few that were in Rocky or in the Northern Territory and um and so storytelling was something that was huge. It was just that was what my grandfather was renowned for. It was something that my father did nearly every night of our lives as children was to tell us stories. Um, and that those types of stories were, you know, they had real impact on me. I, even though, you know, as a kid, Dad telling stories or telling us another yarn or something, it can get tiresome and boring and sometimes we'd roll our eyes and all that but um when I yeah I think I knew at that when I was listening to those stories that there was a reason he was telling us stories and those stories were about his childhood and about the different people that he knew and where he'd worked and this family and that family and you know who those mob were and why they were you know all these Torres Islanders why they were working um, you know, on the railway with him and where they were from. Um, and for me that was, um, I learnt so much about my family history from those dinner time chats with him and from my grandfather, the times we got to spend with, his, um, with him and uh, before he passed away when I was about 14. And he told us, he shared... Um, quite a lot of stories with us which um, when we were kids were, were you know it was just great to spend time with your grandfather but when we think when we look back those stories were about durable people and like and dreaming stories and 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 which are you know have been very valuable to us as durable people and those stories have been used in um, and to prove our connection our unbroken connection to Darabal country for our native title claim. Um, and, you know, the stories of my, from my father were, you know, just in, they, they were 
you know, the stories of him growing up in the 50s and 60s and um, the impact different things had on him, which we couldn't, he didn't articulate at that time. But when we look back now and we think about those stories and we discuss them with him, it was about a white Australia policy and how, you know, um, how they would have to run away whenever a white person came to their, we could, they could hear a car coming. Um, back then we just thought, you know, it was, we didn't really understand what it was all about um, or how that impacted him and how that, um, that kind of trauma impacted the way that he raised us. But, um, you know, it was, that was, those stories uh, are about uh, not just our family history, but about Australia's history. Um, so those, you know, my grandfather, my father, those stories were incredibly um, important, those two people, and how storytelling was um, part of the way that um, they informed or informed my early childhood my sorry my childhood and even as a young adult and probably the other person um would be my grandfather's um sister Annie Mabel Edmund and so um you know she's she was an incredible young incredible little lady who was um contributed a lot around this local area as a local member uh, a a member of um I think it was uh I don't know which level of government. I think it was she was in local politics and um, as an artist and as an author. Um, but for me, I think um, uh, my relationship with her was she was my my mentor. Um, yeah. She was um, – I remember one time she came to actually visit us when we lived in New South Wales um sorry this sounds like a really um trauma trauma traumatic kind of experience of my life but um yes yeah, so we were at, i think i was in about grade five i feel like i think it was in grade five um and i my, my brothers and sisters and i were experiencing some uh some racism amongst uh, in the in the schoolyard and we had a talk with the we raised it with our parents that this was happening um and the principal was great he was really um he had really addressed that that whole issue but my aunt great aunt was there at that time and I remember her coming to the classroom um she she actually came and met with the principal and um and they got talking and she told him about the things that she'd done and he invited her to come in to the, to the school and have a talk with students. And I remember her coming in and she had brought with her some of her artwork, just a few things, and she stood up in front of the class and she was a, you know, a really tiny lady with a really small voice. But um, I think it was probably the first time that an Indigenous person had come into the, to that um well, you know, that those students had ever been, had the opportunity to learn from an Indigenous person. And and she gave this great um, presentation about um, Indigenous people and history and things that she'd seen and done. Um, and then she just spoke really, really direct, um, but very, um, very directly about racism and the impact that it has and how it's not okay and that 
you know, kindness is important and being generous with each other is important. And it probably took all of, you know, 20 or 30 minutes, her presentation, but she she just changed um, that whole situation for um, for us. And, it, and then that's always stayed with me because I'd never seen an Indigenous person in my classroom before. And so for her to come in and, and be, with, you know, with such confidence, um, speak about us and to speak into um, about racism and, um, and you know, for all my schoolmates to listen and to be captivated by her stories was, I was like, oh, this is, this is great. This is fantastic. And I want to be like her one day. Um, yeah, and I think, um, you know, so she was important when I decided that I wanted to go to university and when I wanted to do other things with my life and um, she was always a person I went to um, for advice. Okay, so you've moved on from school. Mm. Um, what post-school education have you followed? Mm. Uh, well, straight out of school I came to university. I came right here to Central Queensland University. Um, I was the first person in my um, family to come to uni and I learned about uni from reading books. Um, being out bush, we had to send away for our books and they came in the mail. And I um, remember saying to my parents or asking them about, do they know what a university is? And my dad was like, yeah, there's one back home in Rocky. Um, at that time, we were living out at Wilcannia in, on the Darling River. Um, and I said, I think I want to go. And um, he was like, okay, if you want to go, we'll, we'll go back. We'll go back to Rocky to live. And so we did. Um, and it wasn't just, you know, that move wasn't just about me coming back to Rocky, but also my parents coming back to their parents as well. And um, so, yeah, coming to university was a big step. It was a bit, for me, I, it was uh, so different being in, a, uh, in an environment with so many non-Indigenous people. I remember sitting in um, the big lecture theatre here in Rocky, on uh, Rocky North Campus in Building 32, and saying to my uh, my Indigenous, uh, one of my Indigenous peers, uh, that I'd never seen so many white people before. And um, they were like, what do you mean? You know, what? where have you been? I'm like, I've been out bush. I grew up, I grew up out in, you know, t- little towns. And um, so it was a big culture shock. Um, but I, I enjoyed it. I loved being able to um, meet different people and learn, you know, different things and that um, getting that that degree and, and finishing walking across the stage with my parents there. I think that was a, a huge achievement. Neither of them had um, finished high school. My father went to year four. My mum had started year seven um, or year eight, I should say. I think year eight was... Um, high school but uh, never really finished so really neither of them had a, a solid primary school education um, so it was a it was a big change for them and and I think the support for that they could provide me was just to make sure I got here every day um, for my classes and so that was a big motivator to finish that so that would be of would have been my probably the first educational achievement um, I got my master's degree here at CQU back in 2012, I think I finished. Um, and my motivation for that was, you know, I had small children and I wanted to make sure that 
um, I could get a job when I was kind of finished having children and, and wanted to kind of enter the workforce back as a full-time, um, as you know, on a full-time basis. So I got my master's degree and then my supervisor of my master's degree um, asked me if I would consider a PhD. And I think I was just blown away by the fact someone thought I had the potential to do a PhD and said, yes, if you think I can do it, then I'll do it. Um, and then, yeah, I submitted my thesis in December last year. So just waiting for that to come back. Uh, but yeah, those would be probably my greatest uh, or my key education achievements. So yeah, so we'll see what happens. Hopefully I'm, hopefully the re- reviews aren't too bad. <laughs> So um, should we just mention your um, topic for your PhD? Mm. So my interest in my res- in research is in transition times for Indigenous people and how we experience transition. So when I did my master's, it was about transitioning young Indigenous um, children into prep and the kind of the – I focused on parents and, um, and carers. And so my for my PhD, I focused on the other end and that was – the the exit of young people out from high school into the workforce and into into studies. So my um, my thesis was an Indigenous narratology, looking at the experiences of school um, from young Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people who live here on Durrumbul country, and um, I centred it on Aboriginal land because that is a not just a, a site for for research, but it is and you know. It is a participant in the research as well. That's how I how I see it, and that this is a story about what is happening on on Aboriginal land or on, on Darumbal land. So, um, yeah, that's what my what my research was about. My my PhD thesis. So okay, so alongside your studies, what sort of career mm. jobs have you done? Um, I think my Probably my biggest career highlight has was the given the being given the opportunity to um, to manage the school outreach team. Uh, well, back then it was the widening participation team, and I, so I went from being um, one of the project officers or the, one of the widening participation officers and competing and winning the role for the manager of that team, and that was that was a huge achievement for me because it meant that um, I was wasn't just valued for being um, an Indigenous person contributing in an Indigenous area, but also I could bring something um, to all of the school outreach programs. And, you know, I think that I was I took that role very seriously um, because, I, you know, I grew up with um, lots of non-Indigenous kids who lived in, who live in rural areas. Um, and so I really wanted to be advocate for those um, those students as well, and those families and those communities. So that was probably my biggest, you know, that was kind of when things started to change in my kind of career tra- trajectory. Um, and then, so that happened in November 2012, and then at the beginning of 2018, I was the um, appointed as Deputy Director for Student Life and Wellbeing. And again, I think, you know, um, so many times Indigenous people kind of get tasked with just doing the Indigenous stuff but I've been blessed again with that opportunity to contribute not just um, you know as an Indigenous person but as someone who's passionate about um, 
the well-being of students, um, all of our students, uh, international and students with disabilities, as well as our Indigenous students. And um, so that's, I think, my... Uh, I'm, I'm hoping, I hope that my... Um, my background in, in the work with Indigenous people and communities um, has an impact and a positive impact on for other students. I hope that I can contribute a different way of looking at situations because of um, you know my worldview is is as an Indigenous person. Um, and I, but I, so I think it benefits. I believe it benefits everyone because um, it's a different way of of seeing and looking and meeting need. And I'm passionate about regional areas. I'm very passionate about our people in uh, who have come from other, you know, um, cultures and other regions on the planet to come to Australia to to study and want to contribute and and make a change. So yeah, and other and other students, students who. Um, might be a non-Indigenous mum sitting in Melbourne or Sydney who are just trying to, you know, make a change for their family and contribute. So, all of that stuff. Just it's I'm passionate about that stuff. Seeing young, you know, young people, old people, mums, people with disabilities, um, anyone who's who wants to achieve an education, um, I'm passionate about supporting them so that they are successful. Okay. Mm. Um, your own family life, you mentioned your children. Um, mm. What sort of uh, age are they now? Yeah, so they are now, um, my oldest is 16. Um, and my, yeah, so I have a 16-year-old son and a 14-year-old daughter. And my youngest is 11. Yeah, so they were, um, I think, you know, my, they were, inc- you know, they grew up with me studying, like, um, I think, I started um, kind of doing some like post grad study um, in two thousand and nine. So, uh, you know, my oldest was six years old at that time, and maybe he was, may have even been five. So, they've seen um, me having to spend lots of time studying and writing and reading and thinking, and they've, you know, I, I've read. My, my youngest was um, you know two or three. I would read my textbooks to her as you know, kind of as her nighttime reading to fall asleep. So, um, or, or some other reading that I was doing. So, they've been very much part of my journey as um, studying and and um, also working. So, um, yeah, they've and during that time going through a, a marriage breakdown, and so I think my I'm. My, my biggest achievement, without a doubt, would be the fact that my children are strong and they're resilient. Um, they showed that throughout the, fam- the changes that their family went through. Um, but that they've come through that and remained committed to their own education and their own aspirations. Um, and, you know, they've got big plans for their future. And But they also contribute in their local community. They're very active and strong in their identities and um you know participate in lots of different sports and so that's yeah for me that's my my greatest achievement is just where my children are at at the moment and the people that they're becoming okay um so with the outside community um have you had any other mm. roles in the community um i think 
I've really thought about this question. I think that, um, you know, my because I've been so focused on studying and, and working for the university over the last eight years, um, I've not had the time to really, folk, uh, you know, um, do specific things in the community. But, you know, in saying that, I've, um, I think what I've been, um, what's been important for me is to make sure that I contribute wherever the community needs needs me to contribute. So, um, you know, advocating in within the university um, and being able to create programs that um, the community had input in from the start and then have grown with the community, where the community now really own programs and drive them and. Um, you know, I've not let um, myself or my thinking kind of get in the way of that, but to allow the community to really um, build ownership of it and, and that partnership with the university and the relationship with the university to de- has, you know, has developed and has flourished because of that. And so I think my contribution to the community has been just the way that I do business within the university and to make sure I bring indigenous people along with that um i love that i get to i live in a community where there's a lot of other indigenous women who are in leadership roles um out in the community and for me for me it's important to be you know to support them and to um you know to spend time with them to learn from them to advocate for them and um so that's another way I think that I contrib- have been able to contribute to the community is just by being supportive of particularly other Indigenous women and now young people. Um, and, yeah, just getting involved where I can with um, with events and activities and getting making sure that my children are out there involved in, in community events. Um, now that I'm finished my PhD, though, I'm pretty keen to get back into... Um, into the community stuff as well and yeah make sure that I kind of pick up from where I you know where I was in life before PhD kind of consumed everything um, all of my spare time outside of work Hmm. okay well so how would you sum up with um, some brief advice then for younger Hmm. people indigenous people starting out their educational careers well I think um my advice for all young people, not just for Indigenous young people, would be that um, it's really important to identify your values. That's uh, That was a key for me and it's a key for, um, uh, I think, as the older you get, the more you start to think about what your values are in life. So if you can do that when you're younger and your values might change, but if you can identify what your values are, where those values came from, who contributed to you having those values, um, whether it was your grandparents or your, your parents or a carer or your teacher um, and why you have that and start to, just, you know, just question your values and why you're making sure you've got good values and, and strong values. And then from there I think... Um, Working out, identifying your strengths and your weaknesses. I think there's nothing wrong with looking at what you're weak in and being, um, you know, saying, okay, that's 
something that I'm not strong in, I need to get strong in that, or that's not where I need to spend my energy, but here are my strengths and and this is the stuff that I need to, you know, be focused on because um, that's really important for my mental and my, my, my emotional well-being, but also that's where I can contribute and um, where I can start to realize dreams in, you know, um, by working on your strengths. So, yeah, and then having dreams and knowing what you want to achieve in life. And it, it may not be exactly knowing what you want, but maybe it's knowing what you don't want your life to be like. Um, that can help you plan your future. And then having different plans. Not Don't put all your eggs in one basket and think, if I don't become that rugby league player or I don't become, um, you know, a doctor, uh, then everything's over. I don't have any backup plans. But have lots of different plans and have different ways to get to your to your goals um, because nothing ever works out the way that you would like to write it out on a piece of paper there's lots of different stops and starts and it's okay to have different you know lots of starts just don't don't give up um, and surround yourself with good people uh, that's been really important for me um, having people who will support me but also people who'll be honest with me when I'm not honest with myself um, so that they give me perspective um, and being open to listen to people and not thinking you know everything all the time. I remember my mum saying that when I was when I was younger. I think um, you know I used to read all the time and I was really good academically at school. Um, but mum used to always say, you know, you don't know everything. You don't, you know, just because you you're the best in your class or whatever, you don't know everything. And so that's, I think, a really um, important, um, it's really important to kind of take those messages with you too when you're younger. You don't, you, um, and as you grow older, you know, no one knows everything and be open to change your mind and to learn from others and look for, you know, opportunities to learn. There's so many different people. There's a learning, um, a learning in every situation. And every day there's something different to learn. Um, but, yeah, I think it all comes back to knowing your values, know what your strengths and your weaknesses are, have plans, and surround yourself with good people. Mm. Okay. That's a great place to end up. So thank you very much, Melinda. No worries, Mark. Like this podcast? Don't forget to rate, review, and share with your friends.